Um, hello there, everyone. I'm your host, Luke, and um, I would just like to say up front, I am sorry for being gone so long. Um, it's not really even stuff has been happening in my life or anything. It's more just... I, I don't know how to describe it, but um, it still has been in the back of my head. Um, I see that there are still people out there listening to this, and um, it's more I'm just trying to get more listeners, I guess. Um, but, you know, it's a catch-22, right? You have to uh, make more uh, episodes to get more listeners, and I'm not being fair to the listeners that have been listening to me for over a year now. So, once again, I apologize. Um, I'm trying to be better. Um, I know you guys really enjoy the um, more, let's call it, out there content. So, I'm also trying to find more content that fits that niche um but anyways let's get into it so jc brown um jc brown if you uh don't recognize the name he is a guy uh connected to mount shasta and the legends of mount shasta about the race of lemurians said to live underneath the city in the city of telos um you know they're it's Imagine Atlantis, just kind of another version of that story. Uh, we will be connecting this to um, a different uh, subject matter a little down the road. So without further ado, uh, if I have any more bookkeeping stuff, I will get to it at the end. According to legend, J.C. Brown was a British prospector who d discovered a lost underground city beneath Mount Shasta in 1904. Brown had been hired by the Lord Cowdery Mining Company of England to prospect for gold and discovered a cave which sloped downwards for 11 miles. In the cave, he found an underground village filled with gold, shields, and mummies. Some, he said, were up to 10 feet tall. Thirty years later, he told his story to a John C. Root, who proceeded to gather an exploration team in Stockton, California. Eighty people joined the team, but on the day the team was to set out, Brown did not show up. He was never heard from again. A New York paranormal researcher and filmmaker says he's finally cracked the case of who... Uh, this was Stephen Sindoni says after years of sleuthing, he's discovered the true identity of a J.C. Brown, who in 1934 tricked scores of Stocktonians into believing in a place called Lemuria. The information below will connect the dots. American folklore and legend now has um, one last mystery. The Stockton record of June 9th, 1934, recorded that 80 Stocktonians 
were found that morning at the inner harbor, waiting in vain for boats. When questioned, the people said they had signed onto an archaeological expedition, one supposed to take them north to Mount Shasta and deep inside the mountain. There, these people believed that they would discover remains of the Lemurians. Lemurian is a, Lemuria is a legend, quote, the Atlantis of the Pacific. Many Stocktonians had sold their houses and quit their jobs, expecting to become rich and famous, like Lord Carnivon had done a decade earlier by discovering the treasure-filled tomb of Tutankhamun. Except the boats didn't come. It was all fake. The record ran a jubilant top-of-the-fold page one headline, quote, 80 Stocktonians left behind in search for, quote, lost continent. When the report got around to the who and the why, the victims said they had been attending daily lectures on Lemuria, held in a house on the 1700 block of North San Joaquin Street. The lecturer was a mining engineer um, who claimed to have discovered it, calling himself J.C. Brown. They described him as cultured, with white hair, brown, he was 79, said he had stumbled into a hidden door on Mount Shasta while doing geological research. The door had opened into a tunnel, and in spellbinding detail, Brown, Brown had described descending 11 miles to what he called the village and finding among its dwellings... Uh, Um, streets and ornate altars and there were 27 skeletons of beings that were up to uh, 10 feet in height with an embalmed king and queen and a fortune in gold, radium, and copper. Brown was supposed to lead the expedition but on departure of the day days the boats um, he was never heard from again. Reporters investigating found he wasn't who he said he was, um, but they never established his true identity or why he'd run such an elaborate ruse. Um, he never took a penny from anybody. Um... Um, so a guy by the name of Sindoni, uh, apparently has been tried to, uh, look up who this is. So he says he's traveled to Stockton with a film crew to film locations. He scoured the side of Mount Shasta for this supposedly hidden door. And for a decade, he's burrowed into archives in America and the UK to find out who, uh, JC Brown really was. And it's his strong belief that J.C. Brown was really a man named John Benjamin Body, and J.B. Body was a retired mining engineer who had worked in Mexico and elsewhere for the Lord Cowdery Mining Company of England. Sindoni had unearthed records that show Body's 
in-laws living in a house right across San Joaquin Street from the one in which he lectured about Lemuria. So it appears the man who pulled off the biggest prank in Stockton history was really a visiting retiree named J.B. Body. But why, why did he do it? Um... So, really, we don't know. But um, I thought it'd be interesting to read the article uh, from the Stockton Record. Um, Quote, two rooms about 12 by 20 feet were filled with gold and copper tablets about 3 by 4 inches and concave so that one laid inside the other. Um... The rooms were literally full of these plates inscribed neatly. Another room contained many weapons. The tempered copper spears were so that one could blend the head of the weapon to the base of the shaft and it would spring back into place. Streets were laid out in the village and one long room were laid at angles to the wall. 27 skeletons, the smallest of which was 6 feet 6 inches, and the tallest more than 10 feet. In another room lay, apparently embalmed by some secret process, the bodies of a man and a woman dressed in royal robes, whom he believes were the king and queen of these people. The worship room was beautiful to behold. There on the walls were three great crosses, not of the conventional modern type, and the sun-designed worked in copper and gold. The streamers from the sun were worked out in gold stringers. There were uh, 13 statues made of copper and gold. He went on to say that he believes this people forms an important link in ancient American civilization. They were highly skilled craftsmen as their work shows. Because there was a glow to three of these statues, he believed they used radium, and that with the use of radium, that they had tempered copper. So, I would quickly uh, point out the similarities to the story of the Book of Mormon, is that he describes these uh, copper and gold plates, um, that he says he found that were inscribed. And then he also points out um, three great crosses, not of the conventional modern type. Um, I mean, that to me seems very close to um, like Mormonism beliefs. that uh, he's trying to say that these were lost tribes of Israelites or something. He goes on to say that he was eager to excavate the site. Originally, he wanted his family to help him, but each of his relatives died one after the other. He'd come to appeal to the people of Stockton because he was willing to share the treasure he had supposedly found. Even though he had not a shred of any evidence aside from some pictures 
he claimed were in a bank vault in Texas. Over 88 people agreed to join the expedition. Over a period of six weeks, Brown and his followers met twice every day to discuss their plans. He promised to start the expedition on June 18, 1934, when his followers would all meet at the house of John C. Root, a member of Brown's pop party. On the fated day, he told everyone to meet at the house at 1 p.m. He left the house early in the morning, but didn't return in the afternoon. He never returned, period. While his followers waited, some until the next morning, he was never seen in the town of Stockton again. Um, did he skip town? Was he kidnapped by someone and caught up in foul play? The authorities were just as curious to know, yet they weren't any better at tracking Brown down. Suspiciously, he was supposed to bring pictures of his, quote, evidence to one of the expedition members, but vanished before he could show them. Of course, there's no such thing as Lemurians. Um, apparently, he spent six weeks hyping up the expedition, yet never asked for a penny. Um, the Stockton record notes that Brown lived in a, quote, federal shelter as an amnesia victim before he arrived in Stockton. So there's also the theory that he was mentally ill or delusional. At any rate, um, while his body might have disappeared, J.C. Brown entered Mount Shasta lore as another story. Um, So, I think I found the actual article. I don't know if this is taken from it or whatever. 80 Stocktonians left behind in search for, quote, lost continents. Followers hold all-night vigil for missing leader on trip to find Weird Cave. Disappearance of chief leaves group of local people enlisted in mysterious mission, pondering next step. Surprise promise unit fall, fails to materialize, while many hold noc held nocturnal watch to await his return. Um, 80 of the citizens today attempted to pierce, piece together reasons for the disappearance of J.C. Brown, the 79-year-old geologist who had promised to lead them to riches hidden by, quote, the lost race of Lemuria. Police, too, were interested and sought Brown for purposes of questioning. He began organizing a band of followers um, here six weeks ago after telling a Stockton newspaper man then in 1904, he had discovered a tunnel in the Cascade Mountains leading to a cavern filled with relics of an apparently lost race. Right there, the, he doesn't call it uh, Mount Shasta. He calls it a tunnel in the Cascade Mountains. So it just got misappropriated or something. I, I don't know what the word would be. The newspaper man took Brown to Harry Noyes Pratt, curator of the Hagen Memorial Museum, who gave him a list of people who might be interested in the story.
Why? Among them was J.C. Root, um, retired printer, 1784 North San Joaquin Street. Root took Brown into his house and gradually an organization was formed uh, with the purpose of participating in an expedition and exploration of Brown's cavern. Meetings were held twice daily, and the followers only grew to 80 in number. His original story expanded to such an extent that his followers were told, and many believed that the cavern held the secret to the lost race and continent of Lemuria. Brown, despite the fact that in the early part of the year he had lived in a federal shelter, allegedly told his organization that he was worth $40 million and owned five boats, one of which was a glass-bottomed craft that would arrive here Sunday, that, or that Sunday, to take the party north to search for the lost continent off the coast of Washington. Gradually, as the story expanded, some of his followers report mysticism, occultism, and other isms entered into the organization's discussions. Some of his reported actually gave up positions and disposed of furniture and other belongings so that they would be free to accompany him on the expedition. Leaving Root's home yesterday, Brown left word that a surprise awaited his followers if they would gather at the Root home at 1 p.m. People began arriving before noon, and most of them remained early until this morning when he failed to return. Brown had claimed that he had photographs and other proofs of his discovery in a Texas bank. The proof was demanded of him recently by curator Pratt, and it is understood was given to Pratt yesterday or the latter would withdraw from any further dealings in the matter. Some of his followers today were of the belief that the man manufactured the fantastic story from one of Bulwar Lytton's novels. Some, however, clung to the belief that he would return and make good on his promise to reveal the lost city. Meetings at the Root home had attracted the attention of neighbors, some whom thought political meetings were in progress. Police, however, began inquiring into the matter when it received a report that a, quote, silver shirt organization was being formed. The report was denied in the record Saturday by Root, however, declined to reveal the purpose of the meetings. One of the followers who today still clung to his belief in Brown said he had psychic information that Brown, Mr. Brown was all right. Silver shirt. Holy moly. Uh, look up, uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing, so, yeah, um, look that up if you want to look it up yourself, um, on an index card at the federal shelters listed information that Brown suffered as an amnesia victim in 1932, 
and that he entertained fears that time to time that he was being followed. He told his followers that being a millionaire, he feared being kidnapped and therefore appeared incognito. Uh, one of the leaders in the organization denied his this afternoon that the organization was a cult. Quote, Brown had a most fascinating story, and many of those attending the meeting um, were interested in the study of mysticism and occultism. Unless a person understands or has some knowledge of these matters, um, he could not understand the meetings. The natural question of this initiated, what is the lost continent of Lemuria? After much poring over encyclopedias, one finds that it is a mystical continent believed by scientists to hold the key to a lost civilization. Um, a well-educated man, J.C. Brown, achieved what he had been told would be impossible. The organizing of a large party without a semblance of proof for the fantastic story which he used as a lure. What was his objective? Uh, the police, as well as his followers, um, are left pondering. So far as police or the writer have been able to discover, Brown never asked for one cent while in Stockton. The only money which he received for any person was $5, given by a friend while the man lived at the federal shelter, so as far as could be learned. The other, only other question was his mental state. Those with whom he associated with assert that he was rational, despite a f notation on his federal shelter record that he was an amnesia victim in 1932, and on three occasions had reported that somebody was following and threatening him. The fear that he had met with foul play was expressed last night among those who waited in his home for his return as they gathered in the house on the front porch in the in the backyard awaiting his, quote, surprise. Among those who waited, one could count those imbued with the spirit of the seed sown by Brown that the mysterious incursions aboard a glass-bottomed boat, the story which did not figure in Brown's original tell, had not been willed by the, quote, Indian masters to start at this time. Brown had told that the time was, quote, near at hand. Um, oh, so they they start getting into, uh, what is it? Uh, the enlightened masters or whatever, you know, like uh, St. Germain and, and that crap. Um, there's the, well, the masters... The masters could not protect them, then they could not protect us. When we got there, we would all be annihilated in five minutes. He didn't say where he was going, did he? No. He always went alone. Perhaps he had been kidnapped. He had once been before, you know. He promised us a surprise. Well, it's here, isn't it? He didn't return at one o'clock. Um, Brown's original story as told to a representative of the record a month and a half ago. Uh... Minus details concerning his personal history follows, quote, I, I found this cave while working on the Cascade Mountains for the Lord Cowdery Mining Company of England. 
I noticed a section of rock in the face of a cliff, which did not jibe with the formation of the rest of the mass. After removing the rock, I entered a tunnel, which curved downwards. Three miles from the mouth of the tunnel, which was seven feet wide and ten foot high, I struck a cross-section where this ancient race apparently had mined copper. The air in one section was bad. I believe the other cross-sections outcropped on some other part of the mountain. The decline continued, and 11 miles from inside the mountain and approximately 2,300 feet from the surface, I struck what I called the, quote, village. Two rooms about 12 by 20 feet were filled with copper and gold tablets, about 3 by 4 inches and concave, so that one laid inside the other. The rooms were literally full of these plates inscribed neatly. Another room contained many weapons. The tempered copper spears were so that one could bend the head of the weapon to the base of the shaft and it would spring back into place. Streets were laid out in the village and one long room were laid at angles to the wall, 27 skeletons, the smallest of which was 6 feet 6 inches and the tallest more than 10 feet. In another room lay apparently involved by some secret process, the bodies of a man and a woman dressed in royal ro robes whom he believed were king and queen of bleh. The worship room was beautiful to behold. There on the walls were three great crosses, not of the conventional modern type, and a sun design worked in copper and gold. The streamers from the sun were worked in gold stringers. There were, I believe, 13 statues made of copper and gold. My wish is to enlist a corp of trained people whom I shall pay well for their services to assist me in cataloging these specimens. I want the relics in this cave to remain intact. Those in two other caves which I have located may go to those who aid me. In a vault in a Texas bank, I have pictures of the scene and papers. You see my family plan to exploit the cave themselves. My wife's father, my wife, my two daughters, and an old college chum. A series of tragedies struck me. First one died, then another one was killed in an accident, and the others died. I was hurt in an accident. I lost all heart in this ambition, but I'm getting back on my feet again. And if my health holds out, I will get started. Have you ever studied or read anything about the lost continent of Lemuria? Uh... Scientists claim it is the connecting link in the story of civilization. I believe here is the key to that lost continent. Um, as an epilogue to his story years later, a doctor who was part of Brown's expedition wrote, I was a curious young man at the time, always interested in occult lore. Anything that smelled of adventure grabbed my interest. His stories were fascinating. They may have been tall stories about mythical things by an old man looking for companionship. Somehow, over the years, I've gained respect for him. I believe he was telling the truth. I don't know his reasons. Um, but I think he changed his mind at the last minute and decided not to reveal the location of the, quote, lost treasure vault, vault of the Lemurian Giants. Actually, I guess you could also connect this to, uh, like, the burial mound giant 
nonsense that certain other podcasters talk about, like uh, where you expand your uh, thinking or some may say your point of view or perspective. Yeah, Um, that's kind of stinks of that same ilk. Um, Nobody will ever know what led him to abandon the expedition, probably because it didn't exist. But according to a bass sheep herder, he died in 1936 and is buried in the Black Desert of Nevada near the famed Lost Padre Mine. Nobody can say for certain how much truth there is in the J.C. Brown legend, although it remains one of Mount Shasta's most enduring legends. Uh, the secret entrance has never been found, but according to local lore, there are a couple of specific regions on the mountain which may have once contained tunnels or caves entering into the mountain. Uh, Bolum Canyon, Whitney Falls, and the Mud Creek Canyon. The location of one of these secret entrances comes from Nola Van Valer, a channeler who moved to Mount Shasta in 1963 and founded a spiritual organization known as the Radiant School of Seekers and Servers. His writings were based on her mystical experiences on the mountain, which occurred in the 1930s and later, all which happened on the McLeod side. She claims that she and her group were up on the mountain around the same time that Guy Ballard met St. Germain there, and she claims to have been tutored by Ascendant Masters St. Germain, Jesus, Philos the Tibetan, and others whom she said taught the Bible as it was originally written. Oh my God. Um, She stated that she and a group of friends discovered an entrance into Mount Shasta while climbing up the east side of the mountain around the 12,451 foot level. No date is given beyond a vague reference to the 1930s and thereafter. She said the location of the entrance was on the right bank side of Mud Creek Canyon. There was a very large black, unusual-looking rock formation, and as they were gazing at it, it began to move as if on a pivot. A doorway leading into a cavernous chamber inside the rock yawned open, and a white-robed being emerged and invited them all to come inside. Inside the cavernous chamber was a large marble table with veins of gold threaded through it. The walls were made of polished gold and soft music was playing. They all sat down around the table and were giving a series of Bible talks by the white-robed being, whom she identified as Philos the Tibetan, the Lemurian spirit who dictated Frederick Spencer Oliver's book, A Dweller on Two Planets. Jesus Christ. But if anyone's considering a trip up the mountain to find the secret tunnels, you should know that Mud Creek Canyon and all the others known here have experienced a tumultuous history and have been subject to continual flooding, mud flows, and cave-ins during the time period when many of these Lemurian cavern tales originated. The town of McLeod was especially vulnerable and threatened by the deluge of glacial floods. Great. So, one dead end leads to another dead end. Great. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a good night. Uh, Hopefully, I'll get back to some sort of 
regular-ish schedule with these. Thanks for listening.